Hi and welcome to Town Hall Tattle, the podcast bringing you all the news from South Yorkshire's councils. I'm your host, Daniel Andrews. I cover Barnsley and Rotherham local government matters. And joining me today are Lucy Ashton and Molly Williams, who bring you all the news from Sheffield Council and George Tor over in Doncaster. So this week, we've delved into the archives. We've had a look back at some of the more headline-grabbing, shall we say, planning and transport schemes over the years. Um, now, I love a good transformational scheme. The more out there, the better. I really enjoy seeing all these like wild visions that planners and officers come up with sometimes. And we've had some right corkers in South Yorkshire. Most have been in the pipeline for years. They're kind of what you'd expect. They're quite, shall we say, sensible schemes. But some are pretty off the wall. And unfortunately, they don't quite make it to the shovel-ready stage. So, Lucy... Tell us about one of your most favourite stories ever. It's one from the early 2000s, but it still gets people talking. It does, Danny. I've done. I've been po- covering Sheffield politics for a very, very long time. And this is still one of my most favourite. It's a real talking point whenever I mention it on Twitter. And I still, to this day, love this idea. There used to be um, a councillor, a Labour councillor called Alf Mead. I like to call him the late, great Alf Mead. He passed away a couple of years ago and he was genuinely visionary when he was on the council. He was um, environmentally friendly. He had a very strong green agenda um he used to talk about energy efficiency he was really passionate about that kind of stuff before the rest of us really caught on to how important it was he was really ahead of his time um with some of his campaigns and the one that i absolutely love was when alf came up with the idea of having cable cars across peniston road And the idea would be there will be various stations, such as at uh, Meadow Hall um, and other places across the city, and you would hop on a cable car. I just think even now it is a brilliant idea. Alf put together quite an extensive, comprehensive report on this and uh, presented it to me. We did a story, the star did a story, and it made the front page. And we mocked up a brilliant picture of these cable cars going over Penniston Road. But Alf hadn't actually told anybody at the council that he'd done this, hadn't mentioned it to the council leader. It was uh, Labour leader, Jan Wilson at the time, hadn't really mentioned it to any officers. So when they saw this on the front page of the star, uh, there was a, there was a few um, raised eyebrows and a few questions asked, <laughs> but um, I just think, like I say, even to this day, I did um, a tweet about it a few weeks ago, and people love the idea. People think it's crazy, but they absolutely love this idea. I think it's it's a really visionary idea, like you say, Councillor Reed. It's a real legacy that he's kind of left behind, and I absolutely love the thought of a councillor just going rogue and presenting these plans to the newspaper before he's even cleared it with the council. Well, I must I admit, bet. I saw the council leader the week after, and she could barely speak. She was that annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> I think some very strong words had been said. 
behind closed doors. Uh, yeah, but good on Alf. And he'd worked up, um, you know, a, a proper business plan. He'd really put some time and thought into it. But another quirky element that stuck with me is I went to the head of planning at the time and said, what do you think about this? And the head of planning said, it's very difficult because you own the space, you own the sky above your house, bizarrely, which I've, I've, ne I've you, never heard. You own the space up. above your, like the airspace above your house. That's, that's up to a certain height. Wow. The head of planning said you own the sky above your house. So the logistics of having the cable cars going over thousands of houses and technically having to do planning permission or ask for sky permission. Now, I have to say, I don't know whether that's true. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm sure somebody will correct me. But at the time, that was the official comment given by the head of planning that it was it would just be too complex not the logistics of building the stations or doing the actual mechanics and machinery but it's like something out of James Bond the sort of skyfall aspect of it so forgive the pun so was it all a bit pie in the sky or was it actually quite well well received in a serious idea that was going to get taken forward because I think that's a great have you seen them ills trying to get up I know. Up there, I think cable cars would be great for Sheffield personally if they could get the infrastructure together. Well, do you know, I think they have them in Matlock, don't they? Exactly. I, I think Alf was serious about it. Um, I think it was very easy for people to laugh it off and to call Alf eccentric. But I genuinely believe that he was ahead of his time. And maybe if the funding had been there, maybe there'd been a bit less red tape with planning applications, then yes, we could we could be swinging along Peniston Road now. Well, the idea is out there in the universe, so we can only hope that at some point in the future it gets revisited by possibly another <laughs> councillor. Um, but that leads us into another quirky transport idea that's also stalled. Yes, and I am a big fan of unusual and quirky transport ideas. So the latest one was going to be for a funicular, which would go from Fox Valley Shopping Centre up to the main high street in Stocksbridge. It's, it's a relatively small hill. I think the idea is it was meant to be something a bit quirky, maybe a little bit of a tourist attraction, maybe not a tourist attraction, but... But, you know, something that was a bit fun and a bit of a talking point. And it would just, there's a lot of money being invested in Stocksbridge High Street. So the idea is, was it would help shoppers easily go between the um, Fox Valley and the other shops. Unfortunately, it has stalled. Um, plans have been put on hold. They've had a feasibility study and they've decided not to go ahead with it. They haven't completely written it off forever. So I am holding out hope that their funicular may come back because, like I say, I do love all these kind of, of quirky schemes. Me too. And every scheme that has come to light has at one point been a quirky scheme. Like there's a fin I was at Scarborough at the weekend and there's a funicular up there, big cliffside hill on the on the seafront and I just think it's a really I mean it's a touristy place so it's a good place to have that kind of thing 
but we can only hope can't we that we'll get some of these schemes over in Sheffield because they are a talking point but like you say it's a lot of money it's a lot of red tape sometimes these more out there ideas get shelved unfortunately yeah um, so there's one Sheffield idea that was particularly ahead of its time. Molly, can you tell us about that one? Yeah, so this one is possibly even more futuristic. Well, <laughs> definitely more futuristic. It's it's not one that's been like uh, a proper scheme has been drawn up. But, um, but yeah, as you know, so you, you know that um, there's been a patch of fairly big derelict land right next to the train station. Uh, I think it's been vacant for about 15 years now and all sorts of people have come forward with um, ideas for what to do there's been suggestions of like a hotel or used as sort of entertainment space I think channel four even when they were looking to move up north they people suggested they could have gone there but there was um, one in particular that was particularly out there and it came from an aerospace industry executive who said it should be used as a, an airport for flying vehicles so they would, in the future, be flying around in our spaceships and come and land outside Sheffield train station to get charged up and then and then set off again. So, yeah, I really enjoyed that one. <laughs> is that the patch of land next to the spa that's, like, gated off where the bus stop is? Yeah, I think so. That's sort of like, yeah, yeah. every time I walk past it, I think I really should, and probably everyone thinks this, I really should be doing something with that. But I mean, do flying cars even exist? Is it? I mean, well, it's a great idea. I love what, it. But what do we do while we're waiting for the flying yeah. cars? <laughs> I think he's a bit ahead of his time, tech-wise. Yeah. There, don't get me wrong. I'd love sure to get the like, flying car. I'm not sure the technology is completely there yet. To be honest, I'm not. I'm not obviously not an expert in that field. But <laughs> and, and can I just refer you to the previous head of planning and the whole issues with the sky? I mean, if we yeah. got cars in the sky. You're flying into people's personal space above their houses, <laughs> then you know you've got some right issues coming up, haven't you? Flying cars. So there's some ideas suggested in Sheffield planning meetings before you people start thinking that this is all the time comes up at planning and we're having the time of our lives in planning meetings. There are some that have been less futuristic, but no less ambitious. Um, so what are some of the wackiest ones that you've heard, Molly? Yeah. So. Um... Like you say, planning meetings and other meetings as well can be quite lively sometimes because obviously you sort of sat there for sometimes hours at a time and I feel like people's imaginations start <laughs> drifting. But um, yeah, I felt like we couldn't really talk about uh, bold and creative ideas without mentioning Councillor Chris Rosling Josephs, who um, he's got a bit of a reputation now for um, being quite ambitious with his plans. Uh, and I was in a meeting, I think it was last year or the year before, and he suggested that we needed to get the tallest building in Europe in Sheffield. Um, <laughs> and he, he also said something like, we needed to get it before Leeds does as well. So brought the rivalry there. But um, and he also in the same in the same sort of um, track while he was talking about that, he said we also needed to get an underground tram system, like a sort of metro system in Sheffield running underneath Finstone Street to sort of solve the, the problems that we've got with public transport <laughs> should be quite good. But unfortunately, officers said it's probably not that viable. No, imagine all the roads being dug up for that. That would cause, I mean, it would be great once it was in, but can you imagine the kind of traffic nightmare it would cause if they were like digging underground through the city centre? Can, can I just say as well, if you're at Mailing Bridge tram stop, 
you can't even get a combined tram and parking ticket yet. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit ahead of its time, isn't it? Yeah, the idea that we're going to have a whole metro system. Also, can we bring the tram to Barnsley and Rotherham? Can we bring the tram to Barnsley and Rotherham first, please, before we start messing about underground in Sheffield? <laughs> we're a bit cut off. I was like, I'm not sure if it was the same meet, uh, if it was the same, if it was Chris or another council, but in the same meeting, someone brought up whether we should use the canals or something instead for public transport. But I'm not sure if that would get people where they need to be any faster than on <laughs> faster's right No, now. don't canal boats go about four miles an hour? I mean, it'd be a lovely, gentle ride, but it, to try and get to work to commute, I'm, and I'm in a sure. straight line, and in a straight line, yeah. and wherever the canals go. I've watched, enough, I've watched enough Peaky Blinders to realise that when, when they go from Birmingham to London, it takes them about five days. So <laughs> if you wanted to get from Sheffield City Centre to Meadowhall, I'm trying to think of the canal network in Sheffield. I'm thinking the main one would be along along you know along the Don through Attercliffe and onto Meadowhall, but then you'd be well. I suppose you could get off at the uh, near the train station if you got the canal. You but, should, uh, you I think would. It would be. George, if you wanted to go to Sprotbra, you'd be fine, but yeah. I'm not sure anywhere else in Donny. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, the River Don, you could sail right through the borough. I think I think Doncaster Council, I might, I might have to lobby uh, Ros Jones for this. I might, when I'm uh, maybe <laughs> speaking to her the next few weeks, I might ask, for, ask her to, uh, you know, consider the uh, River Don. Uh, but I think they've got enough going on with the River Don with the uh, flood defences and stuff that, that they're doing at the moment, but... As for the tram, though, the I mean, you know, kind of slightly more on a slightly more serious note, you know, the greater ambition for the tram network is to finally get it into places like Barnsley and Doncaster and across more of Rotherham. Um, the tram train scheme, which yes, was massively over budget, but actually is heavily used from Parkgate into Sheffield and around those areas. And I know Danielle, you'll know, people from Rotherham they do want to extend it, Absolutely. and there is scope. There is scope for that. Waverley could be getting a, a tram train stop in the near future, which is technically Rotherham, but I know a few people who live on Waverley and they all say they live in Sheffield. That's another debate. Um, but in, in any case, and they're trying to get the Chesterfield to Sheffield line reopened as part of the Restoring Railways Fund or some other fund. I've lost count of all the funds that the government have opened. Uh, but that scheme from Chesterfield through Barrow Hill, Staveley, Renishaw, Eckington, Killamarsh, then along up the tram route from Baton, there could be a stop in Baton as well, along to Waverley and then terminating in Nunnery Square, that potentially could be uh, a new line. So, yeah, but as you'll know, Danielle, as well, with people in Barnsley and Doncaster, they are quite unhappy that they don't want to pay any more money towards SYPTE for the tram because they don't benefit from it. Even though SYPTE say people in Doncaster and Barnsley do benefit from it, well, they have to travel in Sheffield and Rotherham first. So, yeah, yeah, I feel like Rotherham's getting there in terms of connectivity to the rest of the borough. You know, there's the tram train stop that's proposed at Magna, like the Templeborough one. That'll be really handy. And if it does go into Waverley, I mean, there's a whole new town centre and like it's been built into a whole town, isn't it, on the old Orgreave site? But I, I, I don't know about you, George, people in Doncaster, but in Barnsley, I know a lot of folk feel a bit like we are a little bit not cut off but maybe not quite as well connected as the rest of South Yorkshire is um you know if they could extend the tram train up to here I think it'd be fantastic especially for the economy if you think about how people need to travel about for jobs things like that 
Yeah, I think with Doncaster as well, they, I mean, Barnsley and Doncaster have probably got more local stations than probably what Sheffield has in terms of the rail, the, you know, the proper rail network. Um, but I speak to people all the time and I know one of the stations in Thorn, for example, they've got two stations on the on the edge of the borough. Thorn South has been closed uh, through a lot of the pandemic uh, just because of rerouting of services and stuff. Um, but I think the tram train, if they manage to get their heads together with some government support, it all, it all hangs on government support, really. They could really be, uh, South Yorkshire with lots of unused train lines could really completely push tram train out towards Doncaster. The infrastructure is still there, it just needs a bit of tinkering. I know they, they claim they've learned the lessons from you know Sheffield City Centre to Parkgate, and I think if they were to extend it, it would be, uh, you know, wouldn't have, wouldn't have cost wouldn't cost as much, and there would be uh, a lot of lessons learnt from that. So yeah, but Doncaster is quite clear; they don't want to pay any money for the renewal of Supertram, although I think the government's giving all the money anyway, uh, and they're quite they're quite clear on that. And going back to Doncaster, um, the, it's bidding to become the new home of the Great British Railway Railways, isn't it? It's up against forty-one other towns and cities. And the competition was announced by Transport Secretary Grant Shapps. And the new HQ will take over most of the responsibility that's currently held by the Department of Transport and Network Rail. Um, so, George, what is the Great British Railways? Why is this competition happening? OK, yeah. So not to be uh, confused with uh, British Rail, which was the body uh, run by the government in the 80s. I believe it was disbanded in the early 90s. Uh, so Great British Railways is going to be the new public body being established to run the railways in short. It will bring the, together uh, the functions and responsibilities currently held by Network Rail and the franchising operations of the Department for Transport. So this was launched back in October 2021 and the new base uh, will be situated outside of London. Now that's key to the government's uh, announcement. This is to ensure, as they say, that skilled jobs and economic benefits are focused beyond the capital. So this is all part of the levelling up agenda, which we've heard so much about over the recent years since 2019, when the Conservative government won another term in office. So on the competition itself, there's a lot of interest in this. And as you've mentioned, there's a further 41 towns and cities who want this HQ in their area, some of them. And it's quite obvious that they won't make the shortlist, which is due to be published in the next few weeks. Uh, but Doncaster is said... And according to one railway publication online, is the bookies' favourite. George, is that because of Doncaster's railway heritage, or is it more like jobs and economy thing? Well, this is where the council come in, and they say, um, you know, they tick a lot of boxes already. So there's a there's a certain criteria that you already have to meet. So anyone can bid, to be honest, to get. But in terms of the shortlist moving forward. There's a there's a quite a strict criteria to get to the next stage. So this particular publication says they are the bookies' favourite, and the council say even on day one of submission they tick all the boxes. So they boast about Doncaster's connectivity, which is one of the key issues uh, that's on the criteria. Um, so connectivity, for example, in terms of rail, at certain times of day today, it's quicker to go from Sheffield and change at Doncaster to get to London. It's about just over an hour and a half to get to London, where I think it's Sheffield, it's about two hours, five minutes. With the rail links, it's got great motorways as well. Uh, the A1, M1, M18, to name a few. Uh, loads of logistics companies have boomed in Doncaster in the last 10 years. You'll see all sorts of lorries 
trundling along the various road networks, bringing stuff in and out of Doncaster. But the big box Doncaster takes is the amount of rail heritage the borough has. So famous locomotives were built in the borough. You don't have to be a rail enthusiast to know about the Mallard and the Flying Scotsman. Um, you know, even though the industry has been scaled back from its heyday of the 50s and 60s, there's still thousands and thousands of jobs linked to rail in Doncaster. And that's another of this heritage and jobs that are already kind of clustered in Doncaster, which, you know, the council and others say this is a massive tick for them as well. Um, but just on this kind of final point about Doncaster and its rail heritage and kind of the connotations it has, I've been a, I've been to many railway stations in the UK, mainly to watch Sheffield Wednesday across the country, been to some weird and wonderful places and small and big stations across the land. But what I also notice when I come into Doncaster by train, if I get it from Sheffield, is the amount of train spotters with their cameras all clicking away as the train pulls in. And I've never seen people so um, impressed by a Trans-Pennine Express service from Sheffield <laughs> all clicking away. Some of them are sketching as well. I find it absolutely fascinating. I think I should go and do a feature on these people because I, I just think it's really interesting mm. about where they got that passion from. And obviously, uh, for some of our younger listeners, uh, you know, kind of harping to Francis Buell, who's become some sort of TikTok sensation about a young lad who travels across the country asking people, asking train drivers to beat their horns at him on I various bridges and countryside. The guy is absolutely <laughs> amazing. It's, it's brilliant. So he's bringing that to a younger audience. Um, so, yeah, Doncaster's, Doncaster's up there, definitely. So how is it, how is the plan being received, like, politically and by regular folk living in Doncaster? Okay, so just on some of the other kind of places to look out for, I forgot to mention, um, 41 other places, like I've said, but the main big kind of players that I think who are moving forward is Crew, which has good connection from east to west and down south to London. They're also in a similar ilk to Doncaster. Crew has a massive rail heritage site. They tick a lot of the boxes as well. And also up the road, which is technically 20 minutes on the train further north, is York. Now, York will be another big one, slightly more cosmopolitan than Doncaster, slightly more, um, you know, slightly wealthier than Doncaster in some respects. They've got the rail heritage there. But is that a bit too far north from London? I'm not sure how the, the government are going to view this, but they definitely tick all the boxes. And also one which I didn't know about, but actually has a very big rail heritage is Swindon in the southwest. Now, it's got great links to London, huge heritage, and it would actually kind of mirror up, even though Level Enough is seen as a kind of a northern thing, the southwest of England actually has got, you know, it's got some quite interesting economic challenges in it on its own. Now, even though Swindon isn't in the complete southwest, they would say it potentially could bring jobs in that area. So there, I would say some of the other key ones, Darlington as well has also been mentioned. But in terms of politically and on the ground in Doncaster by regular folk, I don't think I've seen a scheme that's been, you know, had the united support of every single political party, the council, across the board. So, you know, only on Friday at the new uh, library museum in Doncaster, which has, um, you know, uh, a huge section of the museum, which is dedicated to its rail heritage. You had all the three MPs, two Labour, one Conservative, uh, the Labour Mayor and the Labour South Yorkshire Mayor, Dan Jarvis, all come together in a kind of uni a, a united front to sign this letter, to send it off to Grant Shapps to back uh, the course for Doncaster. Um, you know, I've, I've covered South Yorkshire politics long enough to know that 
um, you know, the falling out over all sorts of things. But the Chambers of Commerce have all come together in South Yorkshire, you know, with the backing of Barnsley, Rotherham and Sheffield, who've all said Doncaster should be the place that gets this uh, Great British Railways HQ, as from the reasons I've said above. And interestingly, Hull Chamber of Commerce have also backed Doncaster, um, showing, and a few other places in Yorkshire have, have also indicated their support to Doncaster. So Wakefield, for example, just up the road from Doncaster, even though they're bidding themselves, their Chamber of Commerce has also basically said, well, if it's not Wakefield, it should be Don definitely Doncaster. So people on the ground as well, they're all, I've, every story I've, I've kind of, have penned on this issue for the last weeks and months or so. I, I, I don't think I've seen one one bad comment, to be honest. So this is all good for Doncaster if it comes off. I mean, you know, sorry, go on, Lucy. Very funny, I was just saying it'd be a great coup, wouldn't it, for Doncaster to win that because there's some stiff competition there. I mean, when you start getting cross-party support and you, you're getting support from places as far afield as sort of Hull, you know it's got to be bringing some benefits, not just to Doncaster or South Yorkshire, but to the north. Um, yeah. What what kind of benefits are the George of bringing the Great British Railways up to Doncaster? So the benefits, um, in short, will be as what the government see is high skilled, high paid government jobs, which you know the majority of the civil service is focused in London, and even those kind of officers that have been moved out of London usually end up in big cities, such as Manchester, Leeds, even York have got offices, Newcastle, etc. across the country. So, and with this as well, it's quite easy to point out as well that this is also running alongside Doncaster's bid to become a city. So this has been going on for a while. They've had, I think they've had three or four attempts at it since 1998. They've been overlooked from places like St Asper in Wales, which has a population of 50,000 people. Um, so they will be really kind of trying to get this hand in hand to say that, look, we have the credentials, we've got the connectivity, we've got the heritage, we should have this position uh, as the new HQ and in short, the economic benefits. And kind of this is why kind of the wider South Yorkshire region are kind of backing this is because people are saying, look, this will this will benefit Sheffield rather than Barnsley with great transport style jobs to work for this kind of civil service uh outbranch outside London and it will benefit the whole region. And do you think in your personal view that by bringing the HQ up to Doncaster do you think that might help its city bid? Is, is there a plan for another city bid to go in shortly? Do you think this would help? Yeah so the city bid is going in due to um, it's the what jubilee are we on now? Is it the platinum jubilee for the platinum Queen? yeah. Yeah so that goes with um the bid for the Platinum Jubilee. South End has already been chosen due to the, you know, kind of the long-running campaign of the former uh, MP, David Amos, who was tragically killed in his constituency. Um, as a nod to him, South End was given city status as a, as a kind of a, the result of a long-running campaign that he had while he was an MP. Uh, but the government was were, were quick to say there's going to be another, it's going to be another spot. Um I do think it I do think it might help. I think, you know, the council have been quite it's not just the council, it's all, all sorts of other parties as well. The council have been quite clever to kind of, um, even though it's not a city, they, they, they are in the kind of the, the mindset of calling it a city. It's got great infrastructure. It's got good tourist attractions in some respects, you know, the race course, the wildlife park, great connectivity, rail heritage. And I think they will be trying, they, they, they have been doing in certain weeks and months, trying to mar those two up to kind of launch a United bid for 
the new HQ and the city status. So thanks for that, George. It sounds like there's really big things on the horizon for Doncaster, hopefully. Um, you'll be bringing us all the latest on that story as it happens. So keep your eye out for updates. Um, like you said, it'd be a great boost for the whole of South Yorkshire and further afield. Um, but yeah, thanks for joining us on this uh, this month's Town Hall Tattle podcast.